Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is, and it's alerting me to fun, fun, fun. <laughs> to listen to the show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. I know the fun, fun, fun was referencing like a banner in this episode, but I'm also <laughs> thinking like that, that, not how you would describe <laughs> this one <laughs> in particular. It, 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 it works in a couple ways. Yeah. It works as a reference and it works as a sarcasm. A sarcasm. <laughs> a <Yes>. sarcasm. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, bad. Yeah, we, uh, we're we still with the uh, the MTV produced Spider-Man, the new animated series, uh, the most 2000, 2000-est television series to ever 2000. Um, <laughs> I am, I genuinely, the first couple of them, real rough. I genuinely don't know what to expect going into any of the episodes for like your reaction, Doug. Like, I really don't know which of these episodes you're going to like, if any, if ever anything, like truly don't. So I'm actually really excited to see what you have to say, good or bad, because Uh honestly, I also don't even know where I land half the time. I was going to say, are you like, is your whole worldview shooketh? Um, here's the thing. Yeah. It, uh, I, I, yes, and it spawned me to just watch the whole rest of the show. Oh, okay. You were that like so. concerned about it, huh? Yeah, because I'm like, there's got to be some. And and the thing is, I think that there are some things to look forward to. I will say, I think it's entirely possible that we'll go through the whole show, and there will never be an episode where we're both like. I like that episode. Like, I don't know that that's ever going to happen, but I do think that we are going to find things that, that, that are really interesting in it. I think there are going to be, I think that there are going to be things that are fascinating to talk about, um, whether that's good or bad, you know, that can go either way. But I do think, I think that just, just as a show that like fundamentally isn't for me. And I think fundamentally isn't for you in a lot of ways. And I think that that's just kind of the thing that we have to accept going forward, potentially. Um, I think that very much could be the case based on what I've seen so far. But I also feel confident that this show has the potential to pop out an episode that I would be like obsessed with. But I don't know because I've only watched to what we discuss. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like from what I've seen, the pieces and parts allow for that type of episode to exist it's just a matter of whether or not they ever do one yeah and this episode in particular this is a little lizard episode and it was one that i was kind of looking forward to watching not because it was like oh i love this one or anything but more that i knew that it at least kind of does i think it could it could be a tipping point one way or another because this is one that 
as a pretty comic booky one in a lot of regards. It's literally the lizard, you know, but it also, I think showcases a lot of like the darkness and violence that the show does. And it's sort of like, I think that it's a good litmus test going forward to see like if we respond to this or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also like, this is one that I have like the most nostalgia for, because I have, for some reason, this is one that I distinctly remember watching this episode late at night Mm -hmm. on MTV as it was airing. And being both into it because it was cool to see like a dark Spider-Man show, sure. but also feeling like I wanted it to be better and I was still <laughs> kind of disappointed in it in a lot of ways. And I think that I, st- and it's funny, my feelings haven't really changed. I actually think that there's a lot of really cool shit in this episode that this episode does mostly like in terms of like lighting and the way that it like choreographs some stuff and like movement and things like that. Um, but then like characterization, I think we'll have a conversation about it because a lot of that stuff doesn't work. Um, and some of, I, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. I think that's just like, I think that this is just a fundamentally very flawed show, but one that I can at least sort of appreciate <laughs> because there is, was a vision behind it. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds like we're talking about the finale. <laughs> does it? Oh yeah. Like you're, you're giving your like overall impressions yeah. of the show. <laughs> like. But that's just, yeah, I guess so. That's just where I'm at. But I also like, don't really know what to expect from our conversations because that's th- the thing is I'm saying all that because I don't even know if I'm going to feel the same way by the time we go through all this on the podcast, because I'm still going to be, I still haven't listened to all of the audio commentaries and I and sometimes knowing the background on this stuff can sort of color what you think of it when you know, like, Oh, the reason it turned out like this was because you tried to do this and couldn't do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And also like, I, like I said, I genuinely don't know what you're going to think about certain things and that might change my mind in some way. I really just don't know what to think. And I think, if you end if you end a show if you end a season of a Spider-Man show not really knowing how you feel then i feel like the conclusion that you come to is that it's a flawed show that's where i'm at right now we'll see how i feel by the end of it sure <laughs> sure obviously let's get into this, this third weighing, episode of the show perhaps <laughs> this obviously has been weighing on you, me a lot it very clearly has but i, I feel also, like you have been in in pain trying to figure this show out yeah well and i and i haven't like we're recording this before our episode on the first episode has come out. So I don't, I'm kind of excited to go back and listen to it. Cause I feel like I was on like a downward decline on that episode, starting out like being excitedly talking about it. And then it's just getting worse and worse and I'm having a crisis <laughs> about like, is this show bad actually? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, this it's, is just, the it's okay. No matter thing. what happens. It's okay. Yeah. If you liked it when you watched it the first time and now you don't like it, it's okay. If you don't like it right now and you end up liking it by the end, it's also okay. If you, if, if, if all is, over and you're just exhausted and don't want to have feelings about it anymore like all those things are totally fine yeah. it's just i've just never had this happen on this podcast before <laughs> this sort of weird conflicted unsure yeah. feelings you know um i don't know maybe you just cut this entire beginning out of the final episode at this point i no, don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily think so yeah i don't know weird show and i also just feeling weird about people who loved the show going back and listening to our first two episodes. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's fine. I, yeah. I, I'm not worried. If, if look at, at this point, we, we covered all of Spider-Man unlimited and gave it like more praise than anyone ever would have expected. And then we've also given all the praise everybody would have expected to spectacular. And we've given all kinds of reactions to the nineties show. Like there's no kind of reaction we haven't had yet to something. Yeah. Um, except, 
if we just don't like this show at all. That would be a first. But yeah. Yeah. it's not like it's not like we're not looking at it the same way we look at everything else. So I wouldn't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. If we lose like listeners over this show, like I'm not pressed. <laughs> that's fair. And and like I if said, there are hill, they're welcome to die on it. <laughs> yeah, there are things to like about it. there. Like I said, there are things in this episode that I that I I, I really genuinely like a lot. Um, and so I'm kind of excited to get into that. And and I do think this one's interesting. The one production note that I really have because the commentary on the DVD for this this episode sucks. Uh, they don't even they barely talk about it. <laughs> so there's not a lot of information on it for some reason. Here here's here's the thing. Not to just go on all kinds of tangents right at the top of this episode. This is a, I promise this won't be like a two hour one. But they clearly didn't know. They feel like this was very early in the life of DVD commentaries because they didn't really know what they were doing. It seemed like because mm-hmm. the commentaries aren't structured like who would be best to talk about this particular episode they're structured like oh this episode we're going to have all the writers in and talk about writing this episode we're going to have a bunch of character designers in and talk about character design Mm -hmm. so the commentary for this episode had none of the writers that wrote on this episode they just talk about the other episodes that they wrote on and then will occasionally like reference some things that are happening on screen that i guess they're kind of half watching while they're talking but for the, for the most part don't talk about it so who knows i might get to the commentary for episode like 12 or something and they start talking and it'll clarify everything about episode three yeah, and it'll say everything on it so that's where i'm at that's the other part of the crisis that i'm having is that I, just <laughs> nothing nothing with this show makes any goddamn sense yeah but the one the one note that I think is is I, I kind of alluded to that I think is kind of telling is that like this uh, it, uh, um, the head writer Morgan Gendel said that like this this was kind of a litmus test for them too because this was early enough for production that they really weren't sure how far they could push the boundaries of like violence and as he puts it sophistication uh, in their show um, you know because it was like a a, a a superhero thing that's normally for kids on MTV being aimed at an older audience. Well, how old can you skew? Right. So this episode was like very intentionally meant to like, kind of push the boundaries of their, how violent they can get, which is why this episode I think is like, I think noticeably even more brutal than the first couple of them are. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, they take advantage of the fact that you have a lizard monster and they're sort of like, well, Let's make it a violent monster movie. So not every episode is necessarily going to be this violent or anything, but I think this was them sort of being like, oh, this is this is how this is the kind of shit we can get on TV. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to go for it then. So it's it's definitely interesting in that regard, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that is interesting that that is that's noted for this particular episode, although I, I do understand with regards to the commentary being kind of whack as far as how they organized it. Uh, Cause I think even of what I've seen, I don't know that this is like the most violent episode of well, before no, I've seen. It's not, but this is the first, this is the first, I'm saying this is the this first is one just they like produced. where they were testing things out. Yeah. Cause it's early on. Cause you know, yeah. So cause the one that we're going to be watching right after this is way more violent and it's because it came after this. So yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. It's not yeah. like these were all simultaneously in production and they were just like, Hey, let's sneak this one in and see what happens right no exactly this <laughs> this was sort of like okay this is what we can do cool and they Got did it, it. <laughs> they sure did they sure did Yuck. can't wait for the final body count of this show oh good lord <laughs> <laughs> yeah not so, a question i thought i would ever ask on this podcast <laughs> serious there's gonna be a lot of questions and things we talk about that it's like never thought we'd ever have an opportunity yeah. to bring this up but i guess we will <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to watch this episode, uh, you can purchase it di- digitally on Amazon Prime and it is on that aforementioned complete series DVD with all of those messy special features. <laughs> <laughs> um, the episode we're talking about is Spider-Man, the new animated series, episode three, uh, which it is episode three on the DVD and in the airing order, oddly oh. enough, uh, entitled Law of the Jungle. I will say too, real quick, the airing order thing also a mess because I think I got it wrong on the first two episodes. I, the actual airing order for the first two were like 10 and then nine for one and two. And I think I said something different because IMDb, I was going by that, but that actually isn't the airing order that IMDb has listed. IMDb, I think, has the production order, which is different from the intended order that's on the DVD, which is also different from the airing order that MTV aired it in. But, so, but ultimately, we're watching based on intended production order, right? Yeah. That's, so it doesn't change anything right. that we have to cover. Absolutely. It doesn't change anything that we have to cover. Just that, I don't know, if anyone was really paying attention, I don't think anybody actually cares. Like, technically, the first two episodes aired even later in the season, I think, than I said mm-hmm. that they did, oddly enough just shifted a little bit but yeah like i said as far as we know what's on the dvd is what the producers wanted the order to be even if that wasn't the order that they even produced them in Uh, Mm -hmm. so whatever whatever let's talk about this fucking episode let's do it the synopsis for imdb is dr connor's experiments his reptile serum on himself turning him into the Lizard, capital T, capital L. Spider-Man must now try to stop his professor from going after Harry, blaming Oscorp for losing his arm. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you can, you can guess all of those things uh, if you have a familiarity with various Spider-Man stories, but mm-hmm. glad I didn't read the synopsis. I know, right? Some of these reveals wouldn't have worked. Nope. Original air date was July 18th, 2003. It was written by Greg Johnson, uh, which this is the only episode of this show that he wrote. He was also uh, the head writer on X-Men Evolution, the story editor on Transformers Rescue Bots, and a show called Roswell Conspiracies. And he has written on Biker Mice from Mars, the 90s Iron Man, Hulk, and Fantastic Four cartoons, Beast Wars, Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd Century, Action Man, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, which we've done a Patreon commentary on, um, and a whole bunch of animated Marvel movies. We we should really consider watching Biker Mice from Mars at some point, because I don't know anything about that show and i feel like it's going to come up a million times when we talk about this show yeah i feel like i don't remember if i've seen it or not or if it's one of those things where i've just like heard it and seen yeah like images from it that i just think that i've seen it you know so yeah, yeah I, I don't even know that. what it looks like like that's my that's how little i'm familiar with it all i know <laughs> is that there were two and that i believe there were voice actors that carried over from the first into the second mm-hmm. and they were made like a decade apart or something yeah and they were from mars of course <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd be down to do that. This episode was directed by Sebastian Broden and uh, Aldu Padden, who uh, Aldu Padden is the showrunner. We've talked about him before, talked about him a bit extensively on our episode 132. Broden directed on Beast Machines, which we've also done a commentary on. Uh, he's also directed on Action Man, Rated A for Awesome, Kate and Mim Mim, and Slug Terra. So interestingly, one of those guys who's like, across the spectrum of like adult animation like this to like preschool animation Mm -hmm. which it's surprising how often that's been coming up for this show i was wondering because i was like i don't know a number of these shows like i know slug terra and i think that's the only one well and beast machines of course but yeah i don't know the other ones yeah action action man i do remember was like a regular you know regular like 8 to 12 age Mm -hmm. show on fox kids but i think 
Kate and Mim Mim rated A for awesome and some other stuff that he's done is all preschool level. It's so um, funny because rated A for awesome sounds fully like it could also be an adult swim show. Like I, you, you could guess either way, <laughs> it's you know? so true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously we're getting a Dr. Kurt Connors and the lizard here. And in this show, uh, he is voiced by Rob Zombie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. And, and here's the thing. Rob Zombie has a very good voice. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I would make this decision again for them. <laughs> what do you he's, think? <laughs> he's good for the lizard. He's not good sure. for Kurt. Con- he's a weird. I think he Kurt was Connors. cast for the lizard. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's even. Um, I know one of the things on the D- one of the like uh, facts on the DVD said uh-huh. that like he didn't need any coaching for any type any type of like lizard growls he does oh, in the episode. Of course. Yeah. But like, well, yeah, obviously. But it's just I I think that that was the idea, and I'm sure I think that they said he was like actually like super excited to do it because it's like hell oh. yeah I want to play a lizard. Like, I don't doubt it because i think this was his first like real voice acting gig or at least on television i'm pretty sure it was yeah and it's not necessarily something he's gone on to be known for at least at present you know Mm -hmm. so i i i I believe it and he seems like a really excitable guy if if you all don't know who rob zombie is he's primarily known as a musician and the director of a bunch of horror films um like house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects as well as like the 2007 and 2000 i think nine uh, Halloween remakes and um, the upcoming Munsters film, which I'm really excited for. And I, yeah. I think the Munsters film is really what tipped me off because I don't know a whole lot about Rob Zombie, but I've always not always, but I've been aware of who he is clearly for a long time. I didn't realize he was like this excitable sort of like fan type of creator, you know, so I, I totally buy that yeah. if they approached him, he was like, "Oh my god, hell yeah, I want to do that." Yeah, it's it's weird. I I I like I legitimately like him as the lizard. I think he's a really fun lizard voice. Sure, it's, yeah, I agree. and I I guess like ultimately he works for this version of Kurt Connors because this version of Kurt Connors is like a much darker, meaner guy. But it's just not a Kurt Connors that I'm interested in seeing. I think it just kind of, well, we can talk about it, but I think his characterization, I'm not a huge. I I just I'm not a huge fan yeah. of in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the other person worth officially mentioning here, because we've sort of mentioned him in passing in previous episodes, uh, is Ed Asner, because I think like all of the episodes that we're covering first, all the production intended early episodes, I think all have him. And then I think after a handful, he's like not in the show anymore, but I'm not 100% sure on that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um because I was trying not to look too much. <laughs> sure. But he voices a character named Officer Barr, uh, who, like I said, we've seen before. And and we know Ed Asner because he was the voice of J. Jonah Jameson in the 90s animated series. There is a Jameson that appears in the show at some point that is obviously then not voiced by Ed Asner. And he's much worse. Which is like kind of strange. Well, like always oh, way worse. It's, it's my least favorite Jameson I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> um, it's really bad casting. Um, but it's like... I I kind of get why they did what they did because this this officer bar character is basically just being Jameson, but as a cop. Yeah. So yeah. it's a really weird choice. It's weird. But I mean, Ed Asner has uh, a legendary voice, so I'm never mm-hmm. mad to hear it. Um, he also voiced Ben Parker in the Spectacular Spider-Man, Hudson and Gargoyles, Hoggish Greedly in Captain Planet and the Planeteers, uh, and he is the voice of Carl Fredrickson in Up. All of which we have covered to some degree, uh, either on our main feed, our Patreon, or Falling with Style. Yep. So let's get into this one, huh? Yeah, finally. So this episode opens with Peter Parker daydreaming from the window of Kurt Connors' lab as other students enjoy spending time outside underneath a banner that says, fun, fun, fun. (laughs) 
don't get Peter's. I'm sorry. I don't get Peter's monologue very much. Is he trying to say that he wants to have fun or doesn't want to have fun? Because he seems to waffle back and well, forth on his monologue. I think it it makes a little more sense to me when I put myself in the mindset of this is like early aughts, sort of like he wants to have fun, but he's not a fun guy, so he could never have fun. But like, oh, what yeah, if maybe so. he funned once? But no, he's a loner. Like that's very. It's giving that. I think mm, okay. you know. Uh, then the, it's it's like piney, sense. but like not for a person. Just like he's, I don't know, pining for a personality within a social group. No, I, I think know. I get. I kind of get that. Find him for your finding, pining for a place or something like that. Like mm-hmm. I think that kind of the early aughts vibe. I think fits that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But it is yeah. weird. It's like a weird <laughs> level of like ennui that like doesn't really make sense. Yes. It's like first world problem ennui kind of kind of stuff. You know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. it's it is very that and I think that's just sort of what this Peter Parker delivers. Yeah. Um and I think that we talked a little bit about it. I think Neil Patrick Harris is doing that well. Yeah. Um but it is a very strange Peter Parker. That's a kind of thing that I that I don't necessarily knock against the show. It's they're 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 responding to sort of the cultural vibe mm-hmm. of of what it is to be a 19-year-old in 2003. So exactly. it makes sense, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, Connor snaps Peter out of his daydreaming and then berates him, basically, for daydreaming, uh, not taking research seriously enough, uh, not answering his questions seriously enough. Uh, it, it's it's very it's a very clear introduction to the characterization of this Kurt Connors. He's a dick. <laughs> uh-huh. He is. And so I, I definitely understand why they didn't necessarily feel the need to like cast a separate actor for Kurt Connors. Uh, I still think they should have, but I, I I'm, I'm mixed. Cause I, I recognize like that. I'm probably part of it is like, is this the Kurt Connors I want? But then part of it is, I do think looking at this particular Kurt Connors and trying to decide like, is Rob zombie actually being, like venomous enough for how I think this Kurt Connors is written. And I'm not sure he is Hmm. like this guy seems like he's really nasty to be around. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know if Rob zombie knew what, how How nasty he was supposed to be. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know either. He wasn't like directed well, or I mean, I don't know that I I don't know that this character is really written particularly well either to be honest. No, I don't think so. I think that there's this, there's a, this sort of underlying like thing that he, that this is a dude who's like full of a lot of like internalized rage and like a kind of a thirst for vengeance and stuff like that. And I, but I don't feel like it's like, I feel like it kind of waffles, like the levels of it kind of change back and forth when it should be, it very clearly should have just been like a downward spiral, the more he became a lizard. Right. And it, and it isn't really like that. Yeah. So. There's, there aren't really levels to it. Like it starts, it's well there. I don't think there is an intentional level. I don't think there are intentional levels built in. Yeah. But like it doesn't, yeah, there's not that spiral. And then I think, I feel like this, this characterization would have benefited from just not having him talk as much. Like I, I wish he <laughs> were just like snapping at Peter, but yeah. he's like a pretty talkative Kirk Connors. You know what I mean? So he's like simultaneously kind of like boastful, but also an asshole, yeah. but not in like a charismatic way, like a, like an MCU Tony Stark type of way, you know? Right. Like I, he's I, almost, just, I don't know. He's just so unpleasant. <laughs> he really is. I wonder if they're kind of trying, it's not, it's not a thing that they comment on, but I wonder if this is another instance of like, like we're dealing with like 
the gray area of stuff and like is Dr. Connors really that different? Is he really that change once he, once he becomes the lizard kind of thing? Mm. Like you can sort of see that that's maybe the mindset they're operating under. Um, but if you're going to do something like that, I think it should be, yeah, it should be more heightened. He should be even nastier and meaner yeah. as a yeah. person. He should be nastier and meaner and he should be allowed to exist in more than one episode. Um, oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> if, if you're going to do that. <laughs> but anyway, he's an asshole. And he, the, you know, they use this opportunity of, of Peter not taking the research seriously enough to explain what the research is. It is nothing we would not expect. They are attempting to inject hybrid DNA from a lizard into a human in order to regenerate a lost limb. Connors references his own limb. Um, he does say he lost it in an industrial accident, which is specific cause the causes aren't always specific or sometimes they're different so like that's probably the main thing that we get out of this other than that it's it's kurt connors being kurt connors and an asshole Mm -hmm. so after their latest results prove promising dr connors dismisses peter early much to peter's confusion he's like he's basically just like okay uh i'll leave and peter's like why we always worked we always worked till exactly eight o'clock yeah you Um, never let me leave even a minute early (laughs) Yeah, he's like, well, today's different. Go have fun. Bye. Uh, And then uh, as Peter leaves, Connors quickly injects himself with modified DNA and, as you might expect, begins to grow his arm right back as several reptiles look on and make excited lizard sounds. They all get real pumped. (laughs) Their new daddy. Yeah, exactly. I like the little flash of like lizard in static like face that like pops up for a second Mm -hmm. when he injects the, the serum at first. Yeah. Yeah, they they uh, they take advantage of some of those types of, of weird effects that I would not expect to see necessarily mm-hmm. done this way in other shows. So yeah, for sure, I like that they're at least playing with that. Yep. Outside, Peter meets up with Harry and MJ, who are also surprised to see him because they know he doesn't get out of <laughs> out of this uh, internship or whatever it is, this research position, until eight. And they mention that they are looking through Norman's will tonight. That's what their plans are. It's really awkward because Harry's like, "What kind of fun are we getting up to?" And they're like. <laughs> Norman's will. <laughs> so okay. Awkward. And then Harry That's is so like weird. surprised to learn that Peter remembers the anniversary of Norman's death, which I believe would have been like only a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to have been a year ago. Which really speaks to how his friends view him, I would say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not surprising he remembers, but it is notable that Harry doesn't think he would remember that. Yeah, like I think it's kind of a really sweet moment. Not small. There's like darkness to it, but it, 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 like Harry's reaction is really sweet because he is just sort of like, "Oh wow, you remembered!" Like he is genuinely like really yeah. uh, like I don't know. He like feels it. He feels very like feels it in his heart. You know that uh, it's like, "Wow, my friends really remember something that's important to me." But yeah, it is kind of telling that like, but you wouldn't expect that. Like how bad of a friend must. Peter B. Then most yeah. of the time, this isn't like twelve years <laughs> out, and that's not to say you should should or shouldn't or whatever forget that far. But it's like it's been a year, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, Peter agrees to help them out as much as he can and to help sort through like Norman's estate. Basically, Harry has to like clean out Norman's office and go through all. Just has to take care of all that sort of stuff. Um, and so he's his his friends are being rad and helping him out. But of course, Peter's like, "Oh shoot, I will definitely help you, but I forgot this thing." Uh, I have to run back to Connor's lab to turn in some readouts or something like that, which is it's just an excuse to get him back there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Outside of Connor's lab, we cut to this hijacker attempting to steal an armored truck. Uh, fun fact, both the hijacker and the guy driving the armored truck, I think, are both voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. So he's oh. just like, 
attacking himself for some okay. reason. Okay. Like, I don't know why why that casting decision happened, but all right. Yeah, that's strange. <laughs> it's very weird. Um, I mean, you don't notice when you're watching it, though, because neither of them had that many lines anyway, so whatever. No. I also um, didn't even notice it was Kevin Michael Richardson. I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, but it's it's a hijacking of an armored truck. Connors witnesses it because it's right outside his lab as he's leaving. Um, he intervenes and then Spider-Man catches on to this, steps in to prevent Connors from getting blasted by the hijacker's shotgun. Um, and when the hijacker makes off of the truck, Spider-Man follows and stops him. Um, but uh, this is this is definitely like when I think all the character material for Connors is supposed to be out there. Cause Connors has this, has this monologue about like calling the hijacker, like vermin, like worse than parasites and vermin should be wiped out. But there's a weird thing here that I had to like rewind and re-listen to because uh-huh. I kept thinking I was missing something because Connors brings up parasites out of nowhere. I don't get that either. No, I, I, like don't. at first I, I assumed that the guy called him a parasite and I missed it. And then I was like, oh, maybe it's from further back. So I rewound even further back. And it, it really doesn't come up at all before no. or after. Like, I, I, I genuinely don't understand what, what point he's trying to make. I think he's <laughs> just trying to say that everyone thinks parasites are bad, but vermin is way worse. What does just it have to do with what, him? Vermin is that just because vermin is that bad. But it's, a, it's yeah, no, it's a weird thing to say. They might <laughs> have really also strange. just cut a line out. That's also possible. <laughs> I agree with you. It's very weird. It's yeah. all a weird monologue. I think it's a little it's, it's one of those things where it's sort of like I think that they have to overplay this stuff because there's not a lot of time in this episode before Connors just becomes the lizard and starts murdering people. So they have to just throw out like, well, okay, Connors uh, has a lot of rage in him and he believes in like swift, brutal justice. There you go. Like he looks, he looks down on people. Uh, mm-hmm. There you go. It's all out there. And it's just like, I feel like they, I don't, you know, I, I don't envy the writer having to cram all this into one episode. So it just comes out being kind of clunky because it's like, of course, he witnesses a hijacking and I mean, criticizes the hijacker or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's clunky because there's no reason they couldn't have woven some other story that they were going to or were yeah. already telling into the like this yeah. hijacker doesn't matter. This whole no. scene like doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't really affect anything Connors is doing. It is. Pro- you're probably right. It's probably meant to inform us of his character. But like. Mm-hmm. It, it would it wouldn't matter if it wasn't here sure sure yeah because it just ends like it, it just really ends with spider-man stopping the hijacker and that's it that's the it end does of it. i think but that's why i think that they are going for the like how different is the lizard from connor's thing because it's sort of like this establishes right up front uh well no this this does make a difference because this is i mean the, that's, the true. that's true that's true because this this isn't the last we see of the hijacker yeah yeah, so actually, no, it makes a little, it's, it makes more sense. I guess it's like... But the hijacker's still nobody. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is not somebody connected to anyone. Yeah, it, it is, this is, this is all to, to just, like, give Connors a reason to go killing somebody later on, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all it is. Um, Which I don't think they need to establish. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but I, I guess I, I... Maybe I could be convinced, but I don't think they need to establish that guy who turns himself into lizard might kill somebody. No, I don't think it's that. Th- I don't think it's that they're saying that he might kill someone. I think it's more they're trying to let you in on his worldview ahead of time. And I want to make clear, I don't, I don't, I don't like this character decision. I don't. I think it's sort of a. I think it's kind of boring. I think it's like the most boring version of the lizard, honestly. But if I'm trying to see what they're doing, I do understand the idea of it's like it's not that he turns into a 
it turns into a feral lizard who just kills things because he's a lizard who kills things, which many versions of the lizard are. It's that like, oh, he already would be willing to kill people. Just becoming a lizard gives him the ability to do it. Maybe yeah. he was bad all along, I, which again, I don't like. I, but I, I see I, what you're saying. I just think it's extraneous and adds nothing. Sure. I guess so. <laughs> like, I, I, like I, I mean, does this add anything to this character for you? I think it I think it informs who he is before he actually gets to the killing. So then you can't blame any of that stuff on him being a lizard. I guess I don't see where that benefits the story. We've known him for like three minutes. I think it benefits the the theme that that this episode and a lot of both, I don't know, this whole show, maybe at least all these episodes up to this point so far have kind of had where it's like, maybe, uh, maybe everything sucks and everyone's bad and everything's <laughs> cynical. Honestly, like I'm, I'm trying to meet the show where it's at. And that really does seem to be the worldview of it. And I think that that's what they're, that's, that's their kind of view on it is that it's like, yeah, isn't it clear that Connor's really is full of anger and the, the lizard thing just like gives him an, an out to, do something about that, I guess. All right. I mean, if that's what they're doing, I don't think they did it successfully, even by the end of the episode. <laughs> sure. I mean, sure. I just, I don't, I don't think they explore. I mean, if you're going to explore that, really go in on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's they didn't give themselves enough time to do it. And this isn't a fast moving show. So like, no, they had plenty of time. <laughs> no, I do agree with you there. I don't. Yeah. I, I fully agree with you there. I think that if that was the idea they had, that's that it needed to be, uh, executed a little bit better and not just shoehorned into a, a few lines and a couple of scenes early yeah. on. So, yeah. yeah. Well, shortly after Spider-Man intervenes and prevents Connors from getting shot in the face, uh, the police take the hijacker into custody. Spider-Man webbed him up. So it made it, made it real easy for the police. Uh, and Connor insists to officer Barr, who like we said, is sort of the J Jonah Jameson of the show that Spider-Man was indeed helping Connors. He was not an accomplice to the hijacker, which is going to be officer Barr's whole thing. We've already seen that a little bit with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very classic J Jonah Jameson. Well, obviously if Spider-Man was around, he must've been involved. So Connors is actually trying to, trying to help out in that regard. But mm-hmm. Peter not helping himself because when he arrives to deliver the lab results, Barr begins to question him and suspect Peter of being involved. Uh, and it's basically like, well, if you saw anything, clearly you must be involved somehow. And Peter, this like 19 year old, like doesn't know how to respond to this. So of course he sounds like a doofus and officer Barr's like, all right, well, you're a suspect. Come on into the, sh- come into the precinct tomorrow. <laughs> This shit's oh, so okay. Clunky. This shit's so. He didn't clunky. do anything. No, it's <laughs> he literally so weird. didn't do anything. <laughs> it's so weird. I don't. I don't know. I don't like this all, and it's confusing. And like, I mean, they don't like write Peter very well either, because he's not no. like none of his lies or anything make any sense. And when he could have very easily just been like, "I just showed up." Like that's all he had to say, right. and I don't understand. Right. It's 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 all just to get it's Peter purely to get him to the police. Yeah. I, I think Which that's is, one of my issues with this episode overall. Is like, I I understand that like not like a story worth telling is going to have some coincidences involved, right? Like mm-hmm. it's what makes it a notable story. You don't want everything to be like perfectly normal and plain all the time. Like you want some of that, but I do feel like there are a number of times where I was just sort of like, where's this going? And then when I saw it, where when I was like, Oh, that's the only reason you did that. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's, it's frustrating. Cause like, like Peter in the police precinct, I think that's a really good set piece that we'll talk about. Sure. But it's like there had to be a better way to get him there than a hundred percent would have been a better was. way. Yeah. Even if you're going to make him a suspect, there's a better way to do it. Yeah. Him yeah simply yeah, being there sure. doesn't make him a suspect. For you sure. Know, have him have, have his body language be a particular way. Have him had, 
have him had taken a photo or something that is that makes him suspicious um have him slip up and say something he shouldn't have said they try to do that here but it's just like he says he didn't see anything and then he says that everything went by so fast which actually kind of works in conjunction so it doesn't really work as like a way to make him suspicious i don't know there's a million ways they could have done this yeah they also make a very funny uh, very hilarious. I saw you, you teens with your MP5s. Oh, mm-hmm. It's an MP3, actually. Get with the the hip MTV times, my old man. Oh boy, <laughs> I have no, no comment for that one. <laughs> that was one of those things I watched with a completely straight face. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's, yeah. It's okay. it's one of those things where it's like you are. You are a 40-plus-year-old man trying to <laughs> write whatever the 16-year-olds are into right now. Yeah. It's never going to work, buddy. Sorry. This is not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the next day at Oscorp, Mary Jane and Peter helping Harry uh, at least begin to clear out Norman's office. I'm trying to remember if anything important happens in this scene. I, I don't remember. I feel like there are plenty of moments where, and this might be, I might be being too harsh. So tell me if I'm being too harsh. Okay. I feel like there are plenty of moments where this main trio are talking where I don't care what they're saying. Um, like, or, or rather what I should say is I care what they're saying, but they're saying it for far too long. Sure. Sh- mm-hmm. I guess so. <laughs> Well, the only uh, no, the only note I had for the scene is that Harry calls calls the word cathartic a one hundred dollar word, which yeah. I think is okay. All right, buddy. I don't know. Maybe that's in character for him. But I, I guess I see what you're saying. I think part of the problem is that a lot of their conversations across these first three episodes have just been a lot of like repeated exposition over just sort of restating where they are. Kind of what I'm talking about. Like it's, it's always like, I'm going to be here or I just came from here or here's what we're doing now. And the show is so slow paced that it stands out when they're not saying something significant. Yeah. Or it's like kind of restating like where they're like, I think a lot of the stuff is just restating what we already know that like, Harry's dad was a businessman and spent a lot of time in this office where they are at now, but now his father has died. And so they are here now cleaning out his office after he died. Like it's just, there's not any meat there. It's just like either restating stuff that we already know or like saying what they just said in a different way. And it's like, you need a little bit of that in like episodic television, right? Especially something like this where like they probably knew that it was possible that they would be releasing these episodes out of order. And they very much did. So you aren't sure exactly who's going to know what, Um, but there is kind of an art to doing that sort of reestablishing exposition. And like, they do, you know, I think it is important to establish Harry's relationship to his father in this episode. uh, Cause that's, that's, that's kind of a big part of it in the second half of it. But I don't feel like they really do much of that in that scene it's sort of like you know that his father was a businessman and harry has complicated feelings about it but what mj and peter say in it i don't feel like necessarily contribute to that conversation at all you know well I think that, that is i i think it's it's part that and it's part that like we've seen three episodes of the show now and i don't feel like they're doing a good job writing these characters personalities oh so like I when they're supposed to be bantering it's like you're not bantering. Like you're just saying things to each other. Like nothing you're saying is fun. Nothing yeah. like your jokes aren't like I like the hundred dollar word thing is like funny because it's not that 
tough of a word. You know what I mean? But like, that's, that's like their best moment of banter. It feels like they're trying to have like sort of fun, witty friend banter, but also like, don't want to betray the fact that these characters are like cool, you know? Uh, yeah, I think so. They all have to be really kind of disaffected in a certain way. And like, you can do that, but like, they try to like have them be disaffected while also having heart to hearts. And like, that doesn't really work at all. Yeah. And, and also deliver exposition. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, I agree. Um, I think, I, I think that, and I think that's going to be a persistent problem is the characterization of the main three. We know who they are because we know who Peter, Harry, and MJ are canonically in the world of Spider-Man. Yeah. But like this version of but I them. Actually, I actually uh, think this version's Harry is incredibly confusing. Like, I don't think they've done a very good job telling us. I think they've done a good job telling us what his relationship is to an important character that no longer exists and like mm-hmm. what that shadow means. I don't think that I could ever really like predict how Harry is going to say something or like how he's going to act towards Harry or or not, not, not himself to Peter or MJ. Like, I feel like even just the way he interacts with them is sort of inconsistent. It's like I'm trying to pin down like who this Harry is and it's kind of mm-hmm. hard. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think I uh, I don't disagree. <laughs> Let's just move on from this scene. <laughs> Later that evening, Dr. Connors injects himself a second time, uh, and Peter reports to the police precinct like he's supposed to. And while Officer Barr is questioning him in a room adjacent to the hijackers, the precinct loses power. And this is I this whole sequence I think is really cool because like when the when the precinct loses power. It's like uh, red emergency lights come on. Mm-hmm. The way that it's all structured is that like Peter is in one room and it's just red and black are the only colors that are on screen. And, and and you only see like bits of people's faces. And then there's like the glass window to the other interrogation room. So, so you really just see Peter and then you see the other guy on the other side. And so Peter's kind of waiting for Barr to investigate this. But then Peter witnesses through the other, other side of the glass, which I assume is probably like bulletproof glass or whatever they wouldn't be able to break through. He mm-hmm. sees the hijacker attacked by this like unseen monster in the darkness that like attacks him and bashes his head up against the glass or like throws his entire body up against the glass. So then we get like Peter suiting up in like flashing lights, which I also think it was pretty cool. Yeah. The, everything they do in this moment where the lizard attacks the precinct is very cool. I actually mm-hmm. think this could have been a huge chunk of the episode and it would have felt really successful, especially if they were trying Ooh. to do sort of like um, horror type stuff, which they're mm-hmm. clearly trying to do in this. I mean, the fact that like that scene you mentioned where Peter suits up in flashes of light. I mean, that's like such a classic horror thing, right? Like a flashing light where you get, you only see like frames, not because yeah. anything's actually moving slower, but because you only get those flashes of lights. Yeah. I think they could have done incredible stuff if they really based a big chunk. Honestly, I think it would have been a cool, almost like high concept episode if yeah. the whole not the whole episode, but a, but most of the episode was just the lizard is attacking this precinct. Yeah, like almost kind of like a little bot, like kind of a bottle episode for them because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have to, you know, it would be a lot yeah, cheaper to do if it's set. largely a single set in a, in a lot of darkness and stuff. But they could still do really cool artistic things, mm-hmm. and then it's a the kind of thing where they can gradually. One like uh, the other thing I like about this that they could have even extended more is that like it does take a while before you get a good view of the lizard, kind mm-hmm. of in true horror movie fashion. Yeah. You don't, you barely see the lizard in this sequence. It's great, and it's, and it's not because like they didn't have a good model or whatever. You see him very clearly. By by the end of the episode it's just like they they tease him out in a very like tense horror movie kind of way and i, I really
really like that a lot. It is also a smart thing to do given the type of animation they're working with. I mean, if you can get away with telling a good story in the dark, uh, do it, you know? Because, like, even though his model is not bad, it's also, like, got to be a tough thing to work with. So play on that, you know? read that um another thing from the dvd i think it said that the lizard has the most painted textures of all characters on the entire show i mean i don't doubt it and i haven't even seen most of the characters on the show yeah i would be shocked yeah so i mean and i think it's like it's a it's 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 as good of a lizard model as i think as this show could have like it's not it's not a traditional one you know Mm -hmm. um but i i I mean i straight up like it you know uh, at least on the curve of like this show's animation style and I think that yeah, I, I all of this all of this horror stuff that they do is really well executed. I think that at any time this show is like in darkness, it excels. Mm-hmm. I agree. Honestly, I agree. Honestly. Um, I think it's a it's it. They should be embracing that a whole lot more. Not yeah. necessarily for like. I mean, the t- the tone would certainly come with that, but I don't think they should embrace it for the tone necessarily. I just think it 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 clearly inspires them. Well, like the show is already like dark tonally and cynical tonally and like kind of slow paced. So like, let it be atmosphere. It, yeah, let it letting letting it be atmospheric would makes like that makes the most sense. There's a lot of there's a lot of like bits of good lighting in this episode in general. I feel like yeah. Um, I think this this probably of, of the three that we've watched this is like the best lit one, or at least like they do the the coolest stuff with lighting. I don't know. I just I, I think that that's that is a strength that that the show had. And that is something where if it had continued, you know, into into another season and like technology enhanced, like I feel like that would be a thing that we would see them doing even cooler things with the more it went along. But I would also just want the writing to be better along with it. <laughs> I mean, that the show could be ugly. And if the writing were better, like I would be on. board. Right. I mean, the show is ugly and the writing's not better. So. <laughs> You know, that's kind of the problem I'm having, actually. I know. <laughs> but I this know. but this is a hi- this is the highlight of the episode, I will say. Yeah, I mean, it, it unfortunately it happens like pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the highlight of the episode to me, is the yeah. precinct scene. It's very cool. Um, I don't necessarily need the blood splatter on the window, but I get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I get what they're doing. And I think because everything's already in red and black, it actually works better than if it weren't. So yeah, sure, good choice definitely. there. Um, and I think this should have been more of the episode, but unfortunately it is not. No, because like we said, Peter suits up when Barr stumbles across the hijacker's body and what looks like a severed arm. Uh, we see the lizard or at least like a glimpse of the lizard escaping through an open air duct to the roof. Spidey follows and Barr calls them both in as attackers. Um, but Spidey loses the lizard on the roof and is confronted by Barr and the other officers before fleeing the scene, of course. One little thing of note is that I think not no surprise, but like this version of the lizard doesn't wear the lab, the classic lab coat because they can't animate like flowing, ga- yeah. flowing textures. But uh, I think that they had kind of they at least like tried to allude to it because it's implied that he's wearing the lab coat in this sequence that we don't see. And Peter like gets like a piece of the mm-hmm. like bloodied lab coat off of him. So they at least like allude to it, which I appreciate yeah. before he just like fully sheds it later mm-hmm. on. Yeah, for sure. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular and up patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve, Carl, Katie, Mike, and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. 
You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, the following day, Peter delivers partial photos of the lizard and of Spider-Man to J. Jonah Jameson at the Daily Bugle. This caught me way off guard. Uh-huh. And Jameson gives him a hard time for really no reason other than he's Jameson. And then we don't see Jameson again. So <laughs> you you hate this Jameson, right? Doesn't he like <laughs> Yeah, this Jameson this Jameson sucks. I mean this Jameson I mean part of it part of it is that this Jameson is here for like thirty seconds. Yeah. Um and then we don't see him again for this episode at all. And Jameson I, I think I'm very open to different ta- like different performances for different versions of a character. But Jameson is really easy to nail. And this is not it. Yeah, yeah. We'll we will see him again so we can talk about the actor or whoever next time he appears probably. But I feel like a big problem that I have with him is that he's obviously just imitating J.K. Simmons, which is fine. Other Jamesons are do that too, but he's trying to imitate J.K. Simmons. He doesn't do a doesn't do it very well. And also the J.K. Simmons J. Jonah Jameson, I don't think fits into the world of this show. Like nobody else is really doing imitations of the movie versions. And the J.K. Simmons Jonah is like very heightened and comic booky and fast talking. And like nobody else on this show is like that. See what's funny. What's funny is like, I didn't even register that it was supposed to be J.K. Simmons version of it because it wasn't good. And like, it was like, it's clear that they wanted him to be a sort of like fast talking type of character. But like their way of doing that was just to have him say nothing. Like he just says a a bunch of words that don't mean anything. And I think that's going to be an issue for me with the show is like, I think they really want to write like fun bantery dialogue. And so far, I don't think they've written any fun banter. Oh, I think God, like no. maybe there was a little bit of fun banter between um I'm I'm drawing a blank on his name. The guy who could repulse and attract things. Oh, um, um oh my Turbojet. Yeah, Turbojet and Jelena had like probably the closest to like some natural banter and they interacted for like maybe four lines. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I don't know what it is, but they needed somebody to come in here and and write some more natural dialogue for these characters. Yeah. A fun fact, there's a newspaper uh, framed in Jonah's office that says zombies invade Manhattan. Oh, that's fun. 
Yeah, that was intentionally. Oh, Rob Zombie is in this episode. Zombies of Dave Manhattan. Ha, ha, funny. I, I like that. I think it's cute. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Bye, Jonah. Well, we won't see you again in this episode. Uh, when Peter returns to uh, Empire State University for class, he learns that Doc Connors has canceled his class, which is uncharacteristic of him. Uh, so he rushes to Connors' office, where he finds Connors hiding in the shadows. Um, I like the I like the lighting in this too because it's another like it's basically like Connors in like some hooded robe or whatever, just like facing the sun. And then they have like animated like sunbeams coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like on one hand, it obscures the fact that he's a lizard right now, uh, which is important. And, and I think that works, but also like, I think it looks kind of cool. And also he's a lizard. So maybe he's like sunbathing in the warm light. Cause he's cold blooded now. Like it works on multiple levels. I dig it. And it's just very simple little detail, but they kind of have this conversation where Connors reveals that he's been experimenting on himself uh, and the store. And he also tells Peter the story behind his lost arm. And he also says like a dozen things to implicate himself in the previous night's attacks. But when Peter asks Connors uh, asks if Connors is okay, Connors just asks him to leave and Peter leaves. Cool. But he did get some of Connors' papers that have just like stray scales that are sticking on there, which I I don't know why I found that kind of funny that he's just like shedding scales everywhere. And he also grabs Connors' lab coat as well. This is another, this is, for me, this is, I I like, I like all the staging and lighting and and all that sort of stuff. Hate the writing. Hate all of it. I just, it's it's all bad. People kind of talk around each other a lot. It's really weird. I mean, Connors is saying, very clear obvious things mm-hmm. and and i guess peter just isn't listening i guess that's maybe the point but like he's he's literally there to listen yeah. so because the whole it's deal with really weird the whole deal with connor's in this version is that he was studying reptiles in florida or whatever and then there was some kind of was thick factory explosion or meltdown or something like that. Some big factory accident that like he wasn't even involved with. He just happened to be there around doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. And that is what resulted in him losing his arm. And right. so he's bitter about that. You can kind well, of guess also, where that's leading. <laughs> well, he also, I mean, it, it, he's bitter about that because it happened, but also because he tried to take action against this uh, company that he references Mm-hmm. And he says somebody pulled some strings and basically my, my case was in limbo for a decade and then it just disappeared. Like nothing came of yeah. it. I like, and I like all of those ideas too. And I, I like like in theory, I like all of those ideas and I like how that will intersect with Os- Oscorp very shortly and intersect with Harry and what he's going through. I feel like there's a really good like skeleton and framework for like this episode and like sort of dovetailing it into the main characters in a way that I don't really feel like the first, first two episodes did like at all. Um, I like that a lot, but I don't know, for some reason, just like, it's I, I, just the way that all the information is conveyed from one character to another. It just is all very like off and kind of weird. Well, I think it's it, it, to me, it feels like the equivalent of having a good idea, but just not knowing how to write it. Like I, I could probably come up with, you know, intriguing ideas for how characters react to things or their motivations or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean I can write a script, you know, and uh, then and that's a really bold thing for me to say as somebody who's never written a script and I know how talented these people are, like I see what they've worked on, but something about it just like didn't land when they were writing this particular one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's like, I think that there's the voice of this show. I struggle with a lot and I don't like, I think, yeah, like the voice of the show is just kind of weird because it is just like, you're trying to be, like I said, kind of like this disaffected kind of like, 
I feel like they're going for like a disaffected Gen X kind of vibe in a lot of ways, um, which you can do really well. But like then they also still try to tell a superhero story within that, like a very typical superhero story within that framework. And like it's really hard to, I don't know. Have it's hard to be both moment. of those things, especially with Spider-Man. Yeah. It's not to say you couldn't, but I do think there are some superheroes it probably works a little bit better for. There are some char- like some superheroes that probably shift between those different types of tones better than I think Spider-Man might. Yeah. And I think there sure. are certainly stories where it has worked probably to varying results based on who you ask. Um, but it's not like there's only one way to tell a Spider-Man story. It's just for right. some reason, the way they're trying to marry it here is not marrying properly yeah for sure i think i could i could even if i don't like it i could like even if i didn't like it i could i could get behind like a cynical worldview spider-man show it wouldn't be what i want but i could at least get behind it like like okay go for it see what you can do with that but like when when you can't really like have your characters like talk to each other in a way that's entertaining at all like that it's just impossible (laughs) yeah uh, it's yeah and and you can't in in a way that like you can't get plot momentum and stuff out of it it just makes it frustrating to watch most of the time mm-hmm. we cut to oscorp and we see harry sorting through norman's documents and he learns because he's sorting through norman's personal desk um that his dad was experimenting with all sorts of weird stuff and he says this to mj he's like listen to some of this stuff he reads off drugs for human enhancement and wide area fragmentation explosive rounds which we obviously know to be references to stuff he was doing with green goblin and you know all that whatnot Mm -hmm. Um, but harry doesn't know this yet obviously i mean it's interesting because like harry has multiple moments in this episode where he kind of does this he kind of goes like inward and then just doesn't want to be around anybody. This is one of those moments. So MJ's like, okay, well, I can give you some space. It's clear that you want to think think about some of this stuff, which is understandable. And then before she leaves, she's like, you know, you remind me of Norman when you sit at that desk. And I don't know if that's, like, that's a weird thing for her to say, right? <laughs> it is. It is. I, I don't. I can't figure like, it out. Yeah, because it's like, obviously, they want her to say that to trigger, like, Harry then sort of like feeling more and more like his dad. And then that makes him question more like, do I, is this who I want to be or not as I'm learning more bad things about him? Right? Like that's this whole spiral that he has. And that makes sense. But her as a character, Mary Jane coming up with saying that it's a weird thing. I mean, I guess the, the, the way that I can rationalize it is, well, I was going to say that like, if she's trying to maybe comfort him knowing that he's sad and grieving for his dad on the anniversary of his death, like that is a nice thing that she would say to someone who did have a good relationship with their father. I think it doesn't make sense when we know the context that the Osborns never have a good relationship. And also Harry literally was just talking about weird, dangerous sounding stuff that his dad was experimenting on. Right. Like that's a weird time. Cause I was going to ask, does it make more sense if you watch this in a vacuum where they haven't really done a good job establishing much about Harry? Maybe, like, maybe, maybe it does but, because they but never, you just pointed out that the last thing he was talking to her about was like how his dad was experimenting on like human enhancement drugs and stuff and weapons. And so shit. <laughs> yeah, that part doesn't make sense. It, it makes me feel a little better. If, if I think of it from the mindset that like they're trying to keep the green goblin stuff at arm's length. And so like kind of put that in its own little thing far away from this. So then it is just Mary Jane and Harry dealing with that, not knowing that stuff, you know, and this is how they'd be dealing with it, not knowing the supervillain of it all. But like, 
yeah, you were just talking about like weapons testing and shit. Like that's, that's a weird thing to say yeah. right now. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, she does leave him to himself to process that information uh, and probably her comments. Yeah, so thanks. <laughs> from there, we cut to Peter at his home. Uh, and he is, or I guess probably his apartment with Harry, right? They yeah. live together in mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And he is analyzing three DNA samples that he gathered. Uh, you referenced them earlier. Uh, hair from Connor's lab coat, which he stole from the office, skin particles from the police precinct roof, um, and those scales that he got from Connor's office that were like just on papers everywhere that he was shedding. He does conclude that like they're all Connor's DNA but they're all clearly different from one another. And so he's like, well, I got to, I got to do something about this wild that this is what convinces him, but okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's good for him to know. It's good for him to know. Like, this is not a bad thing for Peter Parker to do, like do your research and all that sort of stuff. But it yeah. is, it does kind of imply that he, get, he didn't know at all that something was really that wrong after his conversation with Connors. <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird stuff that he's dealing with, I guess. Yeah. I think it is, uh, this is, I think I just want to have a, have a note on this as it, as it goes along so far, we've had Spider-Man sort of like having a, a video diary. And we, now we've also had Peter like having audio, uh, audio mm-hmm. lab notes that he plays back. It's just as like, yeah. In in lieu of having like an internal monologue that he has all the time in his head, essentially. Yeah. And they play with it in this scene, too, because they have him transitioning from listening to his note, like his own scientific notes to Harry doing an audio diary to himself processing what he's learned about Norman, which then transitions into Connor's cursing Oscorp over a court document official mm-hmm. reveal um, linking Oscorp to the industrial accident that blew off his arm. So you get this sort of like, you know, connect the dots moment here between the three of them. I like that. And actually, if you're going to have like exposition and stuff, I like them just conveying it that way, honestly. Like, I think that that's all pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think it's a better thing that this show has done in that arena for sure. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily like my personal favorite way of doing things, but I do think the show could benefit from doing more of that like i would accept it on this show yeah because i feel like they're not nailing exposition mm-hmm. you know and this works yeah and i mean i just and i like the cross-cutting aspect of it because then you're like tying the three characters in together like right then and there immediately and that sets you up for the climax like i think that's all that's all solid writing you know what i mean in a show that doesn't have solid writing most of the time mm-hmm. so far so <laughs> yeah yeah after injecting himself a third time, Connors sets his sight on Oscorp, and Peter stops by moments later to find the court document, and Harry finds a newspaper article with the headline, Oscorp sued, framed doctor files suit. So, like, all three of them are pretty much on the same page, um, or at least Peter recognizes, oh no, Oscorp, he's going to be going after Harry at Oscorp. Yeah. And Harry's like, huh, there's something weird, my dad really was doing some weird ass shit. Peter tries to call Harry, but can't get through. They cut to Harry's cell phone saying no service as he's standing atop like a major skyscraper with like an open window. Like, how are you getting no service on your phone there, dude? I don't understand. Whatever. 2003, I don't know. I, I was going to say, how did 2003 <laughs> cell service work? No clue. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Um, <laughs> But I'm like that. I feel like that should be like the one place that you absolutely get service. But uh, too high, maybe. I don't know. So, yeah. So so Peter suits up and flips right off to Oscorp. Can I be nitpicky for a second? Oh, sure. 
Oscorp sued famed doctor file suit. Peter should know about this already. He literally works for the famed doctor. Oh, yeah, and it didn't, it doesn't seem like this happened that long ago. (laughs) There's a picture, uh, it's within 10 years. So Peter would have been, I mean, he, he might not remember it firsthand, but like if this is something that made such a huge headline because he's a famous doctor suing a famous company publicly, unless mm-hmm. Oscorp did incredible work to hide this, mm-hmm. I feel like Peter would already know. Yeah, I think the famed part is a big problem because there's nothing up until this point that suggests that Dr. Connors is a very famous doctor. I actually, I mean, that's probably the biggest issue. They could get yeah. rid of that word and it would probably work just fine. Cause but. I, cause I do like the idea that it's just like, Oh, this little guy got fucked over by this big corporation. Like yeah, it actually that's a great better, story. It works better. Adding the fame part. It's just sort of like, well, that's going to make headlines and people are going to be paying attention to it. And yeah, that's, I, I don't like that. It that's, it's a nitpick, but I think it's valid. Cause that kind of throws off what <laughs> the, a, a, a positive thing about, this like the lizard story in this it just case. annoyed me it's it's like by no means my biggest complaint about the show i think there's like way more important things they should have fine-tuned but that really bothered me for some reason mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's because we've gotten other versions of peter and this isn't necessarily fair but we've gotten other versions of peter who like idolize these people well yeah i mean this this peter definitely isn't that though <laughs> he doesn't I know. seem to give a shit about any of this stuff he he's like he's like i'm too cool for idols and yeah. i like photography and science is for nerds even though i'm smart yeah, but well, I said they had bigger things they needed to fine-tune, and you just nailed one of them, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Connors, now fully lizard-fied, uh, arrives at Oscorp and begins to attack and stalk Harry throughout the building. This could have I been like- the second half of the, the... The first half could have been... Well, this was that would be a weird ratio. But if a ton of this took place in the precinct, and then a bunch of it took place in this Oscorp setting, or if it were a two-part episode where the first part was largely a precinct mm-hmm. and then they sort of echoed it in Oscorp, like, oh my God, I'd be in heaven. Yeah, I like I, I like a lot of this, of, of Lizard like stalking him through like these darkened hallways and yeah. Harry's like got a fire axe and sort of trying to fight back, but can't really fight back. And you'll just see like peaks of the Lizard's tail like under a table, you know, like it that all of that stuff is really, all the horror stuff is really well done. Like I would have actually been really curious to see this team just do like, a straight up horror cartoon, yes. you know? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause even, you know, even the, the sort of weird animation style would lend itself better to stuff like to stylistic, like interestingly lit things like that. Like, cause all of this, this show looks its best when it's like, like we said, like shrouded in shadows and stuff and kind of in close quarters and everything. And yeah. there's moments of this episode that I think are genuinely scary and genuinely tense. And like, I like that, it's Harry, who's a character we ostensibly are meant to care about. He's one of the main characters sort of in line <laughs> with this in a way that like intersects with the main villain story. Like all that stuff's really well done. I just wish the rest of the episode lived up to, to it. And I yeah. wish that this went on longer too. I agree. Spidey arrives shortly after and finds the two just as the lizard catches up to Harry in a boardroom is about to just slash him. Um, and while he and the lizard clash, Harry briefly questions why Spidey would help him nearly bashing his head in with a fire extinguisher. Yeah, uh, that wasn't be- going to work, dude. I know, right? Before he's like, no, I guess I should call the police. Um, I do like the bit during like some of this action stuff when Harry like cuts off a bunch of the lizard's fingers and they just instantly grow back. 
it's, it's like a, a level of grotesque that I don't need on a Spider-Man show. Sure. But if you're going to have the lizard regenerating stuff super fast, like it's fun that they played with it a little bit. I mean, it's I think it's a better choice of incorporating violence than other things the show has done mm-hmm. or will go on to do. So because it kind of plays in, it. it plays into like the lizard's power set and everything. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's like if in if in very, very brief, I guess, no way home spoilers, but like if in that movie they chopped off one of the the lizard's limbs like that wouldn't have felt grotesque to me you know sure. what i mean mm-hmm. even though that setting isn't one where i would expect something like that it just works for the lizard it's like his yeah. whole it's all his whole shtick yeah. growing back limbs yeah for sure absolutely can i say something about this is this is my is it a nit it's not really a nitpick cuz i feel like it's a bigger deal an issue that i have with that i think i'm going to continue to have with the 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 score specifically cuz there's Spider-Man and Lizard like fighting on the side of the roof of Oscorp for a while. Mm-hmm. And so on one hand, I feel like, you know, I know that we're in 2003, so you meet them where they're at. This is a, this is they're going to you're going to have this sort of like generic house music and just like bass and drums, like percussion sounds are going to be happening ha- happening a lot in this show. That's just kind of the way that the score is. And I think that that does work for the atmosphere of the show in a lot of cases, like even if I don't like the vibe, like it is a vibe that the show has and the music often like fits it, right? Mm-hmm. I do think that like it's kind of always at the same level though. Like yeah. this is an action sequence where S- Spider-Man and a lizard are fighting each other on a building and it's still just like a constant kind of droning beat the entire time mm-hmm. with no kind of like rises or falls. There's nothing that kind of actually goes along with the action. It almost feels like they created this one like chill house beat song completely independently of this fight and then just like overlaid it on top of it. And I think that kind of lends to the show feeling really slow because for all intents and purposes, I don't think like the choreography of this fight sequence is like super extra slow or anything like that. And there's like some cool like choreography and stuff in it, but it still feels like it kind of drags. And I think it's because the music is just like the same bump, 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 bump over and over again for like yeah five minutes straight. I, I, I don't know anything about the music for the show, but... Um, I do think that even though it's a vibe, it doesn't feel like it's it, something about it doesn't even feel like it's catered for this show. Like no, there, there it doesn't. Certain, like I swear, and I haven't figured it out yet, but I swear there is certain music they use in the show that I already knew from something, <laughs> but I've never watched this show. So like, I want to figure out what it is I'm thinking of, and I, it hasn't hit me yet. Yeah, um, I know that the music was composed for it, so it probably is just something that sounds like something that you're familiar with. But the yeah. I forget I I had it written down, but I don't have it in front of me, so I don't remember the names of the composers. But the two composers are the two British dudes, and at least one of them is like profession a professional DJ. Like that's like his thing. So like I think that's I mean kind I don't doubt vibe, it. I mean that's know? kind of the that's kind of the whole mystery currently for me with this whole show is like I see the talent. I see all of you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's one of those, uh, I, I guess we'll see how I feel about it by the end, but like, yeah. I, I don't doubt that any of the stuff is being done by people who know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, there's something about the final result that doesn't feel in so many ways. Uh, and the yeah. music is just one of those. I think the fact that I haven't seen the show and haven't heard this music and it still reminds me of something so strongly that it's like bothering me, yeah. I think speaks to exactly what I'm talking about, which is like, it doesn't feel like it's special for the show or was composed for the show. I was legitimately wondering like, is this 
music that like already existed in something else. And I do see, like I said, I do feel like oftentimes the music does fit the vibe of this show, whether or not I like it, like it, it I feel like it does fit it, but it, I don't, I don't think it ever works in action sequences, which do, isn't a good thing when you're a superhero action show. So yeah, <laughs> yeah unfortunately, but uh, they're fighting. Uh, police hop uh, helicopter arrives to apprehend both of them. Uh, distracted by the police, Spider-Man gets grabbed by the lizard who attempts to push him into a massive turbine on top of Oscorp. Spidey escapes by webbing onto the police helicopter, which kind of throws lizard off balance and into the turbine, which violently t- tears off his arm and just rips it to pieces. <laughs> you oversold that. <laughs> <laughs> his arm goes in and then he pulls his arm out and it's not there. <laughs> Still, I remember it catching when I first watched it. It kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's it's horrifying. It's a horrifying thought, and it's a horrifying yeah. thing that happens to him. Uh, but it is not portrayed as tearing his arm off. <laughs> That's fair. There's not like blood and guts and stuff. Like, it's actually very extremely bloodless. So yeah. oddly enough, yeah. <laughs> they don't even do the thing where they just like color the stub red. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I forgot to ask this. Yeah. Why was his arm at the precinct? I don't know. Yeah, I was wondering that too. I forgot about that. Yeah, because you just got like a really brief like clip of like a lizard, a, just a lizard hand or lizard arm on the ground, right? It didn't even like, look like a lizard arm, did it? I, I legitimately I thought, it, thought he like ripped the other guy's arm off. Oh. That, I mean, it's, it's, not, it it's not. I don't think that's what he did because he references having left his prosthetic arm at the precinct. But, like, why did he have his prosthetic arm there if he was attacking as the lizard? That's what I don't get. I don't know, Doug. Okay. I, I just, know. you know, I didn't know if I missed something. I totally, I, I, that obviously totally confused me because I just assumed it was a lizard hand on the ground and he just, like, lost one of them or something. But I mean, maybe, I maybe. We, but maybe I, but it, it I think you know, he does reference the prosthetic arm. You're right. I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. he can't write without his right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so Spider-Man is now hanging on to the bottom of this helicopter. Lizard has just lost one of his lizard arms and is obviously sort of stunned by this. So Spider-Man uses this opportunity to web onto Lizard. So the two of them are just sort of like hanging from the helicopter. And the cops in the helicopter are like, great, we've got them both. Bring them to the station. Neither one of them wants this, but obviously Spider-Man's like heroing at the moment. Lizard, though, is like, fuck it. I don't need to go to the precinct. I don't want to be caught by Spider-Man. So he just claws through the web and then plummets to his presumed death on the street below. Which, it frustrates me, I think, because this portrayal of the lizard wasn't trying to treat him like it was Dr. Connors had lizard brain. Like, as far as we know... This is just Dr. Connors being Dr. Connors, and maybe he's, like, more in rage mode. But he seemed to be plenty intelligent and, like, understanding human speech and stuff. So, eh. But see, that's exactly... The fact that he... The fact that he plummets to his death at the end of this episode is exactly why I don't understand why they decided to characterize him the way that they did. I understand wanting to give him more depth. I understand want to having a different perspective or sort of take on the character. But if he was only going to exist for this one episode and you're already doing cool horror stuff, I say just make him a cool horror monster 
call it a day. It makes more sense if he's just thrashing at the end and accidentally kills himself. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And then you can still play with the sort of like, I mean, if, if Connors is sort of a dick anyway, you can still play with the idea that like, well, he's kind of a dick no matter what, but you know, you don't have to make us sympathize with him. Right. It can just be like a horror, like a horrific thing that happened to Peter and that he sort of has to just now deal with. Yeah, it's kind of like they try to play both sides of it. Like they tried to have your sympathetic lizard from the comics that you're familiar with, but then also tried to have this completely like <laughs> irredeemable version of him at the same time. And you can't, and those things aren't like, you, you can't have those things at the same time. Like, yeah. they, they kind of contradict each other. So like it, if he like, survived this yeah. episode, I would be way more open to some of the stuff they did. Yeah. Yeah. No, that bothers me too. I don't, I don't, I also don't like that. They just like, let him just fucking splat on the ground, which also, sorry, the splat. When oh he splats, God. it looks so silly. It looks so I, funny. It is I so laughed. Funny. And then I watched it over and over again and laughed more. It's because they even, they even do this thing where they recognize how kind of silly it is. So they specifically have a car go by the moment he hits the ground so that there's something else sort of like happening. It's but so like, funny to me. Don't just, just cut away. See him falling. Spider-Man's like, no. And then you cut to him already being on the ground. It's fine. We don't need to see the weird splat mechanic where you like stretch it's, his model out or whatever. It is so silly. So funny. It is like, it's like that. And then, and then the girl being hit with the, with the, like the telescope box in the first episode. It's oh just gosh. like, it's just like the, it's like. I, I appreciate the limits that they have on this animation. It's still a very new technology and everything, but it's like, you have to understand but the limits you need to of know your own the animation. Limits, yeah. yeah. Like, and this is the thing you can't do. Cause it's like, you're trying to play this all completely straight and very dark and it's silly. And it's, it's not just the way he hits the ground. So silly. He hits the ground and then there's no movement, no movement. No like, movement. There's no skid. There's no bounce. There's no, no, there's no crumple. Like there's no, he just, he just hits the ground like a pancake. And then the, close up of him shedding a single tear i just laughed a lot it's just all of that it combined together it's so silly and it's like yeah it shouldn't be it should be horrifying oh and the icing on the cake though like is this isn't a fault of the animation this is just shit writing peter just smugly is like genus orania or however you say it at your service yeah and it's like, Peter, you're, the teacher you like just like died in front of you like horrifically. He like fell. You were trying to save him. Then he just like, splatted on the fucking ground. Yeah. And you're just like spewing some like stupid Latin and shit. Like, what? What? Who is this fucking Peter Parker? It's not even just spewing stu- stupid Latin. It's like, it's kind of malicious because that was, a, that was an idiosyncrasy of Connors himself is that he always referred to animals by their genuses or like Latin names, which is a stupid so fa- scientist trope that I hate. It's I hate a stupid scientist trope, it's so but it's dumb. a thing that they decided to do. So to have Peter then, or to have Spider-Man's final quip upon lizard's death, be that feels especially malicious. It's cruel. <laughs> and it's like, you were just trying to you, like, it's frustrating because it, it, it even contradicts who Peter just was like, in the previous action scene because he was he trying to, make, yeah. to talk him down and trying to like meet him man to man and stuff. And specifically told him like, stop struggling. You will die. Yeah. Like, dude, I mean, is this just how he copes? Like his quips no. is just like how he's burying his pain. No. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but no, I think they just, I think it's abundantly clear that, that they don't have somebody or either. They don't have somebody who is writing this dialogue. Well, or they never figured out the voice 
fully that these characters are supposed to have. So they just are like Spider-Man quips, right? So like, make sure we've got quips here and there. Like this is not the time for a quip, nor is this a good quip. (laughs) It's like, it's supposed to be tragic and you just completely, if I, if I had any sympathy or love for this version of the lizard, you completely destroyed it in this, in the, in the silly smoosh, the silly tear and Peter's stupid little quip just ruined all of it right off the end. Like, cool. Great note to end on guys. God, I mean, if so we were supposed to care about this right. Connors, because they establish him as a full asshole at the start. Who even knows? So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> it is. It is. Gen- I mean, it's genuinely frustrating because, like, I think that this episode should have been pretty straightforward as far as like nailing it. They don't do anything especially complicated here. No. So it's really weird to me that this episode could be simultaneously like pretty simple and have a clean idea behind it and land like you know land like lizard did with no impact (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh it's so frustrating anyway anyway there's like one more scene left Mm -hmm. i guess um so later at oscorp uh mj and peter check on harry harry sends them to get a pizza so he can be alone and the episode ends with yet again, this is like two or second or third time. Um, Mary Jane kind of praises Peter outside for caring so much about Harry and then gives him a big old smooch. It's like how many episodes are going to end with Peter and Mary Jane kissing a lot, <laughs> despite them 75% not being of what I've seen so far. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so weird. it's so strange. It's yeah. so interesting too. It's like, cause I don't know. I don't want to be too nitpicky because you've been so nitpicky on this one. But like Mary Jane, I, 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 she's like telling Peter and she like basically is recapping all of like the traumas that Peter's gone through. It's like you lost your parents. You lost your Uncle Ben for a while. You lost me. But yet you care so much. And I'm like, why did you just relay all of the trauma that he's went through to him? Because like, that's what apparently you- Mary Jane's thing in this show. I guess so. <laughs> Let me remind you of the things you're upset about or the things that might hurt you and then yeah. give you a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I understand not wanting to be like especially negative or nitpicky because it's typically not our vibe, but it's typically not our vibe because I don't think we've really covered that many things that have so many cracks to sort of wiggle our way into, or at least that's how I feel. Or if we do, it's because they're fun and stupid and like this show. And I think the problem with this show is that it's very clear that like, they're taking what they're doing very seriously and trying to do something and they have a vision. Yeah. So it makes it really hard when there's still like a lot of problems and it's like, but this is you guys trying. It seems like, so what's going on? I've said it so many times. We try to measure a product based on what it's trying to accomplish. Right. So when we, when we have fun with a stupid episode of Spider Woman that doesn't make sense, yeah. we know that they're not trying to make sense. They're trying to be stupid, right? Yeah. This show's not trying to be stupid. That moment with the lizard was not meant to be silly. I wasn't supposed to laugh, you know. So like, that's a miss. Yeah, yeah. So I just, I, yeah. I think I, I get it. I'm with you. I don't, I, I don't want to be negative, but I, I, I feel like. Uh, you know, I'm also not going to like lie and say this stuff works for me when it just right. so much of it. It's not even just not working for me because like I think I can separate things that maybe aren't for me, but do work, you know? Yeah, it's and I do think it's the context for us covering it too. maybe affects it because we've just 
been doing a lot of like fun, silly shows that we've enjoyed a lot where the stakes are just like Scorpion shouldn't steal Spider's sandwich. Spider Woman's going to space. And then we get to this where they're just like nothing. It's just like kind of aggressively trying to not be fun because to be too, to be fun, fun, fun is not cool enough. You know, I don't know. It's just, it is, I I don't, we're never going to cover another show like this. There's definitely never going to be another Spider-Man show like this. Right. You know, like I, I do think that if, if nothing else, this show is very one of a kind. Um, It's just, the question is like, is this a kind that should have ever been made? I I don't know, (laughs) but (laughs) I don't think it's, I don't think I wouldn't say it shouldn't have been made, but I do think if you are going to set out to make, a version of a property that is associated typically with being fun and lighthearted, but not, not without moments of sincerity and without moments of tragedy and without moments of angst, right? Like if you're going to choose to do something that takes a lot of that fun out, then Mm. you need to really like nail the vibe you're going for. Like if these characters are supposed to be, you know, really exhibiting that early two thousands on we, and that sort of like, like you said, that that 2003 19-year-old who's, like, too cool to care about stuff, like, lean the fuck in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's easier for us to say now that we have the full sample size, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's easier now that we're, when you're, when you're in it, like, it's harder to tell what the cultural vibe is totally. than when you're outside of it, totally. so, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't even feel like, I don't know. Yeah, whatever, whatever. It's, it's, it doesn't, it, it just, it only works but so much. Uh yeah. But like I said, I mean, I still, I, I, I see things in this episode that I really, really like. And so yes. what I say at the top of what I said at the top of this episode still stands. It is entirely possible that this very specific show will create an episode that no other show could pull off mm-hmm. that I will really, really like. I don't know if it's there yet. I don't know if they ever do it, but I do not think the show is incapable of doing that because because of the precinct scene, because yeah. of the stalking Harry through Oscorp scene. Like those are things that I would only expect from this show or very specific off format episodes of other contemporary Spider-Man shows like 2017, like Spectacular Spider-Man shows that like could have gotten away with doing something higher concept because of when they were made. Yeah. Real quick, because we're kind of wrapping it up and coming to conclusion. Face of the episode, lizard shedding a single tear. Sucks. I hate it. It's dumb, but it's also really funny. And I also love it because it's so stupid and I hate it. Yeah. Anyway. um, Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's it's uh, it is it is. If nothing else, it is fascinating to to walk through for this podcast, even if it's kind of a slog at certain points. I do think that this is probably this is probably the most fun episode I've watched so far of the three, if only because of those highlights that you listed of the, the, the kind of really cool horror action sequences in the police precinct and Oscorp See, and stuff like that. I'm unsure. I don't know where to put this because here's the thing. Like, I don't think this is, I, I didn't have fun watching this episode the first time. And I think mm-hmm. it's only in looking back after watching it a couple times that I found fun in it. I sure my first impression when I watched this episode, to be fully honest, was like, that was shockingly boring. Like I walked away and was like, <laughs> wow. Oh my God, like it's over. Like, like I thought there was going to be more to it, you know? Yeah. Um, I appreciate things again, having, having thought about it more, yeah. But I don't think this episode provides some of the most fun stuff to talk about. I almost yeah. think like that first episode we talked about that I I hate. Do not get me wrong, I hate that episode. That that premiere, I hate it. But there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about in it. That's fair. Unintentionally so. So I I don't know. That's why I'm having a hard time. Right. Yeah. Like 
it, they the stuff we talked about that was sort of fun to pick apart and like talk about and really examine as far as like how things aged is not what they were intending. So yeah, I don't know. I, it's going to be hard. It'll be really interesting to sort of yeah. work my way through these episodes and decide exactly how I'm going to come up with my metrics, right? For like what's working. What's I think <laughs> no, it, <idea>. it's <laughs> well, yeah. I, I genuinely don't know. Like I genuinely don't know, and it's going to be interesting. I. I I am actually very excited to get to the end of this series and then go back to these episodes we're recording right now uh-huh. because I think and hope that I will have a clearer enough picture to then be able to look back on everything we watched and be like, okay, here is here is what I'm walking away with. Right now, I'm in the thick of it and I'm totally confused by so much of what the show is doing and I don't fully like get it yet. I buy a lot of the things that you're saying about what they were probably trying to go for or what they might've been trying to accomplish, but it's just, I, I don't have enough of it yet to really sure. like be convinced of a lot of things. I don't know. It's, it's such a strange position to be in. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for the exact And I want to give it too. a fair shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm hoping that we'll look back on this and be like, Oh, we just didn't really quite get it. And we're, I don't think we're ever going to like fully like it or whatever, but I, I think that it'll be like some of the stuff that we were questioning. It's sort of like, okay, I think kind of understand it a little bit more mm-hmm. by the end and feel, feel retroactively better about it. Even if I never think that it worked in a lot of other ways. Right. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for that too. So we'll, We'll see. I mean, all the conversations that we've had have been sort of helpful to identify what does and doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and for me, you can put a lizard in any Spider-Man episode. I'm going to like it exponentially better than an episode without lizard. So that's also the curve that I'm grading this one on. So there you go. <laughs> Sometimes you got to know exactly what those curves are. Uh huh. I think lizard's cool. I like how he looks in this one. Lots of other stuff that I don't. But I'll know, have that same curve is. probably if Doc Ock shows up in any of these, but I don't <laughs> think he will. We'll see. I'm assuming they're not loud, but we'll see. I could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's plenty of Lizard and Doc Ock and plenty in other villains and other non-Spider-Man villains on our Patreon, on our mm-hmm. all the bonus content we've got going on there at patreon.com slash whoppingwebsnappers. Join us at any level and you'll have access to loads of uh, non-Spider-Man cartoon content and sometimes non-Spider-Man content in general. So check us out there if you'd like to support what we're doing. Also, check us out on our Discord. I don't know how people are going to react to these episodes, if at all. So, But if you want to chat with us about it and have feelings, feel free to chat us up in the Discord. Uh, that's There's a whole channel for this show specifically. So if you want to drag us and tell us it's insane that we hate this show, uh, go for it. By all means. By all means. Yeah, the link's in the show notes if you'd like to. Uh, but otherwise, if you'd like to find us individually, where can we find you on the internet, Doug? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast uh, where I get together with friends and just talk about whatever Pokemon stuff we feel like. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I get together and talk about all of the media we've been consuming lately. What about you, Derek? You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on my other podcast, Gimmicks, which looks at the experimental structure-breaking gimmick episodes of television with a new show and new guest every week. You can also find that on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. You can also check out Doug and I's monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we're watching every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Cars 3 is out now, wherever you get your podcasts. And visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com 
for a full archive of our episodes of both Falling With Style and Walloping Web Snappers. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And if you could, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on all podcast platforms. Next week, a warrior ventures to Manhattan to hunt Spider-Man, desiring to best him in and capture him to be kept among prize exotic animals. Hmm, I wonder who that could be. In the episode, Sword of Shikata? Who? What? Hmm? We'll find out next week. Bye. See ya.